1: The Joe Paggs Show. To talk to Joe, call 888 941 pags And now, it's Joe Paggs.
2: Hi, great to have you. Thanks a lot for stopping by. I do appreciate you taking the time. There's a lot going on. Interesting conversation during the break, to be honest. Very interesting conversation during the break. It just was. And I think that'll ask the crew. I mean, I know what Sam's answer would be. But I'll ask the crew. um, Their answer to this question during this hour, probably right after we do the open, to be honest with you. We'll also talk about the Supreme Court opening. We'll talk about uh, you're not the boss of me and don't tell me how to take care of me. And it it sounds convoluted, but it's not. It is not the government's right, in my opinion, to tell me I have to protect me from me. I'll get into that as well. Plus, at the bottom of the hour, it's going to be Simona Mangiante Papadopoulos. She is actually an interviewer in a three-part series about Ukraine, That is now on YouTube, it's also on Amazon Prime And you can learn a lot about Ukraine that we just don't know And it's actually very cool because I talked to her, she's in Italy right now Even as we spoke on a Wednesday Uh That's right That is Chocolate Voice, how you doing Carrie? Okay Polo making it happen Sam get her done So during the break, we were um, talking about first cars for some reason. I don't know why, but we were. And uh, interesting, people were guessing what my first car was, which is kind of nuts. My sister didn't remember the first car, then my mother came in, and she knew the first car, you know what I'm saying? I think you do. She does. Now, I am a Chevy man, so I think people would be surprised by what my first car was. i want to get into who's responsible for my well-being it doesn't sound like a controversial question but i guess it is but i do want to start with that um i'll, I'll tell you my first car in a minute uh, Carrie, do you remember your first car
3: oh yeah i sure do. how old were you i was 16
2: so you got the license then you got the car yes what was it
1: it was a chevrolet cavalier
2: <clears throat> no it's a chevy i can't really make fun of that it's a chevy I was gonna make fun of that. Was it yellow, like uh, like uh, maize yellow?
3: It was not. It was silver. The corn yellow. No. Silver. Silver. Mm-hmm. Was it awesome? Uh, it was for me. Yes.
2: Was it new? Because Cavaliers are pretty recent.
3: Uh, it was new. Yes.
2: Wow. Rich kid. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool, Paula. What'd you get? What's the first car?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to fall for this banana and the tailpipe thing here that we're doing. What are you? What are you talking about? Cause this is like one of those typical like security questions that, that when you're trying to change your password or whatever, like it'll ask you like, what was your first car?" And it's not whatever. So
2: I lie on those. <laughs> I do it. Ask me my birthday I, and I, I give it a fake birthday every time, but I know the fake birthday that I use. Uh-huh. Cause it's like none of their business with my, with my birthday is. So you don't want to say it? I'd rather not say. Okay. Sam, I know what yours was. Do you want to say?
1: Sure, I, it actually was was mine. As much as you may not think so, it was the Buick Grand. National. Oh, are you
2: gonna go with the Buick? Really? Oh
1: yeah, that was definitely my first car. Oh no, I took
2: that back very quickly. Oh,
1: you did, but it was my first car.
2: Yeah, I was gonna go with the Camaro.
1: No, that after that was the Chevy HHR.
2: Was the HHR before the Camaro?
1: No, yeah, it was, and then it was the Camaro, and then I got another HHR.
2: Sam, it, you do not listen. If you're selling a car, you don't want to negotiate with Sam. You do, because you're going to lose. Sam, is it true or not? When you were like 17 or 18, the guy at the car dealership was like, do you want a job?
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what happened.
2: <laughs> I mean, Carrie, she went up there and just beat this guy down. She was Good. like, uh-uh, that's not that's happening. the way it should uh-uh. be
1: at a car dealership.
2: Okay. Saved like $4,000 on a $5,000 car. It was crazy, wow. yes.
3: But when Sam had the HHR, was it the first one or the second one when she had her final destination moment?
1: That was the second one. Okay. Oh my gosh, it was so scary. Something went through my windshield and stuck itself into my passenger seat. Yeah,
2: and we looked at it. wasn't it wasn't like a like a lock or something. It was a big hunk of metal. What was it?
1: Yeah, it was like a, a fan rotor, but it was like a like a huge fan. So it, I mean, it was really scary. It t- completely shattered my entire windshield.
2: And if there were a passenger in the car, they were they would have been dead. Yeah.
1: Totally, a hundred percent. Well, if I wasn't, you know, you know how sometimes you get a little aggressive and you kind of go over and You
2: aggressive? No way. <laughs>
1: well, if I hadn't been doing that, it would have been a lot worse too.
2: Then <laughs> dad taught you how to drive right post so, a pole. You remember that? That yeah. was scary, dude. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, that was scary. My my first car was a oddly a nineteen sixty six Mustang. And um you're thinking, wow, what a bunch of rich jerks you you guys were. No. This was they t- carry, they took four wheels and put them on the ground, <laughs> a piece of rusted out sheet metal on the top of it and called it a Mustang. Ah, I got it. And then I, I sat on the sheet metal. I mean, this thing was, it was rust and red. It was bad. I mean, if you would have spent a hundred thousand dollars to restore it, you couldn't have made it nice,
3: Wow. but it was my wow. first
2: car. So I loved it. Of
3: course you did. Is that why you just like Ford so much?
2: No, I- I'm just a Chevy guy. I was surprised because my dad found this car. I have no idea. Uh, I think he worked at the Bollinelli or something, and, and some guy said, hey, I'm selling this car, and he bought it for like $500 or something and, um, and brought it to me. I was, I, mean, I was thrilled. I was a kid. I was like 14 or 15, and, um, and, and I was very happy about it. I didn't care what the brand name was, but I, I've always been a Chevy guy. The second car was the 76 Camaro, and I think since then, without exaggeration, I've owned maybe 25 or 30 Camaros since then. I've got one now. I just sold one two weeks ago, to be honest. I had another one, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm a Camaro, I'm a, I'm a Corvette guy, but hey, it was my car. I didn't really care, um, but it was a straight six, and the funny thing is, it was slow as could be. I'm on my way to school one morning, and um, something fell off the, the engine. You know what I mean? I, I just, oh yes, scary. Mm-hmm. Something just fell off,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and a okay. straight six, if I can make it sound like, what a straight six sound! Is a this thing fell off it, like the like the exhaust manifold broke, and it went from to and it sounded so freaking cool. I didn't oh, want to get it, it fixed. It? Oh, okay. oh yeah! Oh, go <laughs> you kidding me? I was sixteen. I was like, oh hell yeah! <laughs> I would have gotten that
3: fixed, but okay. You know what I mean? Like if <laughs> I would
2: have known that if you just break the manifold, you can make it sound better, I'd have had a sledgehammer on that sucker from day one. Oh, boy. I'm not even kidding. So it went from like, you know, almost like a moped to a motorcycle. Mm. And I was like, I was down. That so was I got cool. to school and like, you know, the, the, the 15 year old hot girl that I liked or something was like, man, did you get your new engine in the car? I was like, hell yeah. We popped, we hopped it up. There's a, literally a piece of metal in the street somewhere
0: you know, between <laughs> Lake Worth and
2: car. Delray, Florida. You know, on the way in that car, but no. For about three days, I got the cool sound. My father was like, "Well, we have to replace the manifold. It's running like crap, and you're not you're going to stall, you're going to break." And I said, "I don't care, Dad. It sounds great." Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, that, that, that's boy. yes, that's my first car. Now I had it before I had my license, and my mother's in the chat room, and I'm going to call her out right now. She and my father had a fight one night. Not, not like a fist fight. They had an argument because it was it was like Saturday um, Catholic school night or something, and they were both so damn lazy they didn't want to take me. And my father told me, well, just take the car. And I said, well, I mean, in, in an Italian film, you say this, especially if you're from New York. Not for nothing, Dad, but I'm 15. I don't have a license. I don't care. Take the car. Take the car. Hmm. And the mother's like, he can't take the car. What are you talking about? Take the car. Take the car. And then there's some F words in there. And here I am going – I might end up taking this car tonight, which is awesome. I didn't say a word. I was like, you "Are you sure?"
3: For it,
2: right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, I don't want people to fight. I guess I'll just take it. You know, I was <laughs> wanting to take the car. I had no license. I'm 15, and yes, I, I got to school and got back, or got to church and back, and it, it was great fun. My mother, however, in the chat room now is saying that never happened. We were perfect. Hmm. Of course, you were totally happened. Totally happened. Now, if we had a ring back then, you know, like the the ring video, I, we could play that. But uh, the the fact is, it was a Mustang, it was a Ford, and it's the old, I can't. I've been thinking through my. And you know, of course, my brain is, is not what it used to be. I don't think I've ever had another Ford. Now, would I get another Ford? What, what is that one? What is it? The F One or something that that like sports car? What is, what is that car? Paul, what is that car? The Ford like? It's just the race car on the street.
3: Isn't it like the? Is it the GT500?
2: Is that what it is? Or, or no just the GT? It might just be called the Ford GT. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're probably right about that. That I would not turn my nose up at. But I think the Ford GT is like a half a million dollars. And if you find one now and it, they're in good shape, it could be a million dollars. I don't have carry Lockie money. You know what I'm saying?
3: Mm-hmm. That's right.
2: You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get me one. So I, I, th- I thought I'd throw that out there. A little fun. Of course, the ch- the whole chat room is saying Polo w- w- wimped out. He wussed out. He wouldn't say his first car. But now we know that Polo, if you find out his first car, you now know the answers to his
1: <laughs> security Polo, I don't ever
2: tell anybody ever, because now they're all going to be like, oh, oh I'm going to try to sign up on his Facebook. Uh, so there you go, a little, a little something, something there. Um, I, did I have another Mustang? I don't think so, Monica. I don't remember having another Mustang. I do not agree. If I did, it was a piece of garbage that I never really thought about. But, but it's all been Buicks and Chevy since then. And it's just, I, I guess the, you're, you're a certain kind of car person, and uh, and that's sort of where I've been. Uh, for just about my whole life. And I think you get that from your dad and your mom. My mom's a car person as much as my dad was. But uh, yeah, it just that's it just brought up some memories during the break when everybody started talking about that. All right, let me, let me throw this out there because I'm a little confused by what the government thinks it can do. And, and again, I don't want your phone calls in your first car. I love you like crazy, but that'll get boring after a while. You know, Bob in Kansas, his first car was a Dodge. Okay, well, that, you know what I mean? Um, but I thought that I would just relate that to you and if you want to go to the chat room and talk about it they're still talking about it you want to send me an email about your first car I'd love to hear that as well but I was on Newsmax today and one of the stories we covered was the fact that some judge in New York has stayed a, a an earlier judge's ruling saying that you can't mandate masks inside you know what I mean that was a big story today in the New York Times and elsewhere so the governor Kathy Hochul who is forcing the mask mandate indoors on facilities where I guess they're not checking your vac status or whatever. She was cheering this, and it's going to protect people, and we don't want to have a spike in COVID. Let me talk about this even outside the realm of COVID, but it certainly does apply to COVID. The government's job is not to protect me from me. It's not. never has been. It never will be. If the government thinks that I'm a danger to somebody else, they have to make their case. They haven't. If I'm not wearing a mask, and you are, then you're protecting yourself from whatever it is that you're afraid of. If I'm not wearing a mask, I don't have any right, in my opinion, to walk up to you and tell you that you have to do something to make me safer. If masks are safer, or even if they give the perception of being safer, then wear one. If I don't want to, I don't want the government to tell me. It's the same thing about mandates. I don't believe the government has the right to mandate that I get a shot in my arm. Especially knowing that that shot in my arm, after all of the BS we've heard for two years now, that shot in my arm only, if it helps at all, could potentially help me. It doesn't help you. It doesn't stop me from getting it or spreading it. It doesn't make you any safer. This is only about the government forcing some sort of help for me, on me through law. I don't think that they have the right to do that. And I'll take it a step further, and people complain about this all the time when I make these comparisons, but tough. I don't think the government should be able to mandate um, a helmet if you're riding a motorcycle down the road. I don't. I don't think they they have any right to have a helmet law. It's only protecting my safety from my actions, and I don't want them to do that. I also don't think the government should be able to mandate seatbelts. Now, there's an argument about, oh, wait a second. How about uh, helmets for you know, people under 18 years old? They're not adults yet. I can see that if the parents aren't smart enough to wear one or put one on their kids. I can see that. And seatbelt thing too. I can see that as well. If you're under 18, you're not an adult yet. You're not making your own decisions for yourself. Uh, I can see the government saying parents have to have those under 18 in, in a seatbelt. But once you hit adulthood and you can be drafted and you can go fight a war for a country, you should have the freedom and liberty to have the ability to say, I'm not going to wear a helmet. I'm not going to wear my seatbelt. Having said that, kids, listen to to Pagsy on the radio here. I always wear my helmet. I always wear my seatbelt. I feel I'm safer, and I want to protect my life. But I don't think that's Kathy Hochul's job. I think it's my job. And one that really gets people angry. I think that a proprietor of a business should be able to allow smoking in that business if he or she wants. And then it's up to the people who are the, the customers or consumers to either go in. I think the government should be able to mandate you notifying people there's are smoking in here. And then I can make a decision, having seen the sign or read at the door, okay, they allow smoking in here. I now will make a choice to go in there and either smoke with them or inhale the smoke, the secondhand smoke, because I like the atmosphere or I'm meeting my friends there or I want to be there. I don't think the government should be able to tell a business owner, you cannot allow smoking. Buying cigarettes is legal. Smoking is legal, even though they've raised the age in some places. If you're of age to buy and smoke, you should be able to go inside that place and smoke. And then the place can say, I allow it or I don't allow it. Now, if the proprietor says no, then you have to leave. If the proprietor says yes, all you have to do is notify any new customers coming in, we allow smoking here. And now I, as an anti-smoking guy... I hate smoking, killed my dad, killed my grandmother, killed a lot of people in your lives as well. I'm against smoking, don't smoke. But now I can make that decision. They allow smoking here. I, as a free liberated American, now can say, I should go ahead and buy some food or enjoy the services of this place because I know I'm going to get secondhand smoke or I can go somewhere else, down the strip and find some, find some other business. I'm going to give them my money. If enough people say no to the smoking facility, guess what they're going to say? Maybe we shouldn't allow smoking. We'll get more customers. It's called, it's called supply and demand. It's called customer you know, is always right. It's called capitalism, called free market. So I don't believe in these government mandates or rules protecting me from me. None of them protects me from anybody or protects anybody else from me. It's only about protecting me from me, and that's not the government's job, period, end of story. Your thoughts, 888-941-PAGS, 888-941-7247, JoePags.com. Stay right here. Joe
1: Pags.
2: I'm glad to have you. Thanks a lot for stopping by. It's the Joe Pag Show. Lots going on, lots to get to. Bottom of the hour is going to be Simona Mengiante Papadopoulos. She is involved in a series of documentaries about Ukraine. We try to break down why we should care about Ukraine. Um, we try to break down, you know, what the 30-year history is that we should probably know about. What does it have to do about the with, with this pipeline between Russia and Ukraine? And does Russia really want to invade? Uh, we break all that down and then, so make sure you stick around for that. Let me go to the phone lines in the meantime. Let me say hello and welcome to, and by the way, Dan Bongino was, we've now verified, uh, permanently banned from YouTube. Carrie, if we can find a story in that, we'll, we'll run that later.
3: Okay, I got one. But
2: our buddy Dan has been banned permanently from YouTube, which is interesting. YouTube was just looking for a reason, and I wonder what reason it is that they're going with. Uh, let me go to Marilyn Mer- or Merlin, Merlin and Yakima. What's going on? Hi.
0: Yeah. uh, Hey, Joe.
2: Is it Merlin? uh, I
0: got a you know something about the helmet issue. Motorcycle helmet. I'm a motorcycle rider. Wear helmet all the time. Yeah. And uh, but we have a place over in uh, Seattle. I'm in Yakima, but in 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 Seattle it's called Harborview, and that's where all the people that don't have any insurance they get injured, and uh, so if they don't have any money, they don't have any assets, whatever. uh, They send them over to Harborview, and that's where the taxpayers pay for their, uh, rehabilitation or whatever it is. But we have people that, uh, uh, you know, they ride those HDs a lot. A lot of them.
2: I don't know know what an HD is. uh, Harley Davidson? So
0: they, society winds up paying. So that's why there's a helmet law. Uh, it's just that society has to pay for the state and they're just trying to, uh, you know, save you from your, Stupidity, basically. Anybody who rides a motorcycle without a helmet is like, I don't
2: know. Well, Merlin, you and That's I disagree. You have right. actu- you've actually bought into the insurance you know, mechanism and the government mechanism for some r- lame reason to give up your freedoms and liberties. I disagree. You and I agree that I always wear a helmet on a motorcycle every no, single I'm time. I'm an insurance agent. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. Um, uh, again, I'm almost out of time. I'm not going to have you yell over me. I just listened to you for a minute and a half. Um, I-, I always wear my helmet. I suggest everybody else does. I always wear a seatbelt. I suggest everybody else does. I don't think it's the government's job to protect me from me. And your financial liability or a a community's financial liability does not usurp or circumvent my freedom and liberty. I believe that. Now, if you want to pass a law that says if you don't wear a helmet and get injured, we're not going to help you and you can die, I mean, maybe pass that law. But I don't want to give up my freedoms and liberties because of some insurance cost. That doesn't make any sense. That's not more important than why we founded this country on freedom and liberty. Love you like a brother, but we're going to disagree on this. Keep it here. Coming back.
1: Don't be an A-Dub. Stay with The Joe Pack Show.
2: Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady on. She is part of a trilogy of documentaries about Ukraine that I think can really shed some light on exactly what it is that we're facing right now worldwide. Her name is Simona Magiante Papadopoulos. And Simona, great to meet you face to face. How are you?
4: Hi, very nice to be on your show. Thanks for having me. Very well.
2: Well, I'm glad that you're well, and what I love is that you're in Italy right now, and I think that's very yeah. cool with technology that we can speak, as if we're just sitting right across from each other. Thank, awesome. you, for, thank you for reaching out to me on Instagram. Um, I, of course, have interviewed your, your husband, George, several times, and um, and I, I knew that you were involved in media, and you were involved in interviewing, and you were involved in, in, in um, sort of social media as well. I did not know that you did a documentary about something that is so important right now. So if you don't mind, let me just ask you something that might sound dumb, and I'm kind of a dumb guy. Why should I care so much about Ukraine? It seems Russia cares about Ukraine. Italy, where you are, cares about Ukraine. I'm supposed to care about Ukraine, and I don't know much about it, but it seems to always be in the news. Why is that?
4: Uh, that's a very uh, good and straight question. Actually, you, I could give you an official answer, and it's uh, uh, it would be because uh, Ukraine is a target of uh, humanitarian aid, and the United States already invested uh, over 1.5 billion dollars in right. Italy uh, 2015 and 2019 uh, toward Ukraine. But there is also a reality, uh, most realistic answer, that involves uh, the geopolitical strategic position of Ukraine that uh, may discuss country uh, a weapon uh, a tool uh, for political reasons diverse uh, both from the east and west including the united states
2: what is so vital about ukraine is there is it mineral rights is it geographically where it is that uh, in in times of war ukraine would be necessary to have because of ports i mean what is it about why does russia want ukraine so badly
4: well, we have, uh, uh, first and foremost, uh, the uh, something that is uh, linked to the gas. Uh, did you hear, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Nord uh, Stream 2 pipeline? Yes. Which is gigantic infrastructure that cross all over the Baltic seas up to Germany. So it's where uh, Russia uh, pays Ukraine um, overall $3 billion a year in transit fees, uh, right. uh, providing gas and uh, determines the prices of gas all over the world with this gigantic infrastructure. Uh, United States uh, and Germany Uh, have a a commercial interest in this pipeline that is uh, about to get to completion. And this completion means withdrawing uh, this uh, money from Ukrainians facing probably a major financial disaster. Right. And that's probably the real reason behind uh, the uh, war threats that uh, I would say uh, are sort of fabricated by Zelensky, right now the current Ukrainian president uh, to attract uh, sympathy and help and aid uh, from the West.
2: It's Simona Maggiante Papadopoulos. Go and follow her over on Instagram. she got a great uh, Instagram channel. It's Simona I believe it's Simona underscore um, um, Magiante underscore go you'll, <laughs> yes. you'll follow her there. You'll put in Simona and she'll pop up pretty quickly. Uh, you've done this trilogy where you're the you're the lead um, interviewer on it, and in fact, somehow Oliver Stone is involved too, so it's got a lot of credibility. And uh, it was aired by RT Russian Television. It's also been uploaded to YouTube, and it's also on Amazon Prime. Right? It's on Prime Video. Yes.
4: yes uh, well. I, I wouldn't take the credit for all three of them. Oliver Stone is the lead interviewer of the first two-one, okay. uh, Ukraine on Fire and Revealing Ukraine. The director is Igor Lopatonok, who did an incredible job in describing uh, the history of this country and why, in detail, it really matters to the United States and other um countries as well, European countries. I was the lead interviewer of the Korean 30 years, actually had the chance uh, to um, walk the audience through the history of this country by interviewing its political leader. So I interviewed, for example, Yushenko, President Yushenko. Uh, deputy their cashh that uh, it's more uh well known by the American public because the United States uh, applied sanction uh, to their cash uh, because of his attempt to unveil Biden's uh, Biden's affairs in ukraine right. I, I think most of you know about the story, and I had the opportunity to interview myself uh Derkash, who actually explains in this documentary the corruption scheme uh that was uh, put in place uh, uh, to make uh, the son of the president rich and this while uh, um, Joe Biden was uh, vice president under the Obama administration so right. uh, we understand why it's so sensitive not only because on the paper I'd say there are so official reasons but there are a lot of involvement and the current administration that are highly compromised in Ukraine.
2: It is a trilogy that they've put together, it's uh, Ukraine 30 years as one, Ukraine on fire and also revealing Ukraine, it's uh, Simono Magiante Papadopoulos, you've got a wonderful italian accent and being italian i can understand every word you say i fear that some some who are listening might not be able to understand as much so i'm going to sort of recap what you just said you actually sat down with some major officials in ukraine we know that joe biden actually extorted ukraine for a billion dollars when he said you've got to fire this prosecutor he said that on videotape we know joe biden did that he admitted it and he laughed about it then he said he had no idea who the people at burisma were Then we've got pictures of him playing golf with people from Burisma. And then he says he had no idea why his son got a job at a job that he knew nothing about. When, of course, Joe Biden helped to get him that job. How deep is the corruption? Do you feel from what you've you've found out from people that you've talked with? How deep is the corruption of the Biden family and how interconnected is it with Ukraine? Because Biden was put in charge of Ukraine by Obama. And then suddenly we hear all of this stuff that was going on there.
4: Uh, that's absolutely true. Uh, actually, it's uh, incredible how all this dirt that has been unveiled uh, uh, by prosecutors in Ukraine and also the same uh, uh, member par- actual parliament, and their cash, now they are, became targets uh, um, of the US government, they're trying to silence uh, all of them that expose uh, the corruption, which is uh, the reason why, basically, the Biden family is so rich today. Uh, we uh, have in detail explained that not only the corruption scheme through Buddhism, as you mentioned, but also, and most importantly, uh, they've been published in the recordings of the negotiation between Poroshenko and Joe Biden. At the time, Biden was vice president under the Obama administration. Now, why uh, a politician from the United States uh, would need to negotiate, explain himself uh, to the Ukrainian leader? That's a big question. Right, it is. At which level uh, of uh, implication there is between the two countries and uh, how much the United States made of Ukraine a sort of client state where Joe Biden is able to dictate uh, them what to do or not to do?
2: It's amazing, and, and he did. He laughed about it. He really did do that, and that prosecutor was fired. And then somehow Rudy Giuliani gets involved in all of it. And, uh, and, and Simona, let, let's be honest. P- people who have heard of you before know that you've been accused of being a Russian spy. Rudy Giuliani's been accused of being a Russian pawn or a Russian spy. What's the story? Is it that anybody who looks to get the truth out of that relationship with Ukraine is going to be accused of being a Russian spy? Is that the way that the that big media and big tech try to shut people like you up by saying she's working for the Russians?
4: You know, it's, it's crazy. Everybody who's trying to expose uh, the truth uh, is a Russian agent, right. and the uh, facts are Russian propaganda. So basically, they are masters uh, in projection and also manipulation of information. Uh, they censor uh, people by brainwashing to believe that whoever is providing a, a valid piece of information, facts, that you can uh, corroborate uh, with evidence becomes a propagandist. So even Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian propaganda. Can you believe
2: that? Hunter Biden has basically admitted that it is his laptop. All of the videos and pictures on there are his. He should be arrested because of the, the information that's on there. Plus, you can probably do a RICO charge through Rudy Giuliani, like he, like he you know brought down the mafia in New York or the Cosa Nostra in New York, but by using RICO. I think that the Biden family could be a crime family too, but that's another topic for another interview with you and me. Hopefully, you'll come back again. It's Simona Magiente yeah. Papadopoulos. She is in Italy right now. Now, I love that we're doing this uh, long distance oh, yeah. like this. The trilogy is called, uh, the three par- parts are called Ukraine 30 Years, Ukraine Under Fire, or Ukraine on Fire, and Revealing <laughs> Ukraine. You can go and get them, I guess, on YouTube. You can also get them on Amazon Prime. Go ahead.
4: Yes, the, the first one uh, that I suggest to watch are Ukraine on Fire and the Revealing Ukraine, which are masterpieces by Igor Lopatonok, uh, leaded by Oliver Stone. The third one I uh, was honored to be lead interviewer and it's named Ukraine 30 Years and was released recently by RT on occasion of the 30-year independence of Ukraine by the Soviet Union. It's very interesting uh, to, to watch, it's very timely to watch. Right okay now. so
2: go go watch Ukraine on fire revealing Ukraine and then Ukraine 30 years and you're the lead interviewer in Ukraine 30 years right <laughs>
4: Yes. Exactly. Okay. Perfect. Now,
2: right. the Nord Stream pipeline is one that we've talked about a lot in this country and around the world. That's the pipeline that that Trump wanted stopped. Right. Because Trump said, look, we're, we're guarding you. We're taking care of you. We're protecting you from Russia. Why would you do a deal with Russia, do a deal with us and buy our liquefied okay. natural gas and so on? I mean, for some reason, Biden wants that to be built where Trump wanted to stop it. Right.
4: Exactly. And that's, uh, that, that's exactly the core of the issue and the reason why there is so much interest in the United States and Ukraine, and not for the humanitarian, uh, being a humanitarian target, as they officially want people to believe.
2: It's amazing. It's uh, Simona Maggianti-Papadopoulos. Make sure you go and check her out on, on Instagram, also on other social media. We follow each other on Twitter and Instagram now. I, I'm not sure where else, but always a great follow. Very, very uh, smart lady. She's the lead interviewer for this part. It's called Ukraine 30 Years. What do we find out in your part? What is Ukraine 30 Years? Has there been a 30-year lead-up to where we
4: are today? Uh, yes. I've been actually interviewing the, the political leader from uh, August. Uh, no, 1994, when the when, when we had uh, like the uh, independence of Ukraine from the. At USSR up to here, we walked through the path uh, of independence and how uh, Ukraine became uh, this uh, contending country between forces from the East and the West. And as I said, I had a chance to interview not only former presidents, but uh, even former prime ministers and economists like Suslov or Apostol uh, or a leader of the National Party that uh, uh, came to um, affirmation after the... Distancing from the communist, right. or the communist right. model of the Soviet Union. So it's, it's very interesting because we walk also through the reason of uh, the two infamous uh, Maidan revolution. So we have the Orange Revolution, the Ero-Maidan that are two different. And we know the implication of NGO and even the CIA. So even in those, uh, but we can talk about it probably another time because right. we cross into another uh, field, which is really, really
2: right complicated no i I don't and it it is all complicated i think that we here in america don't understand the importance of this region and why we keep on going back and forth on on ukraine and crimea and all these things um let me ask you this and and this is going to ask you for opinion and i hope that you're okay with this what happens if biden sends 8,500 troops over there What, what sense does that make i mean we're talking about protecting the sovereignty and the borders of ukraine well, we're not protecting our own sovereignty and borders here in the United States. So if, well, if, if Biden makes that move and sends 8,500 troops at least to that area, what does that do?
4: That's another uh, confirmation of how uh, Biden is compromised and interested in the wrong way and using American lives and American troops for the wrong reason. It should send them to the border and to Mexico uh, instead. We, we know he's uh, targeting the wrong border.
2: Right that's true that's absolutely true what do you think the russian response will be should we send troops there
4: well, that would have enormous geopolitical implication on I want to mention, uh, I don't think Russia has any interest whatsoever, even invading Ukraine. I think this is a lie. Ukraine is doing for different reasons, and that they're all linked to the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline because they are about to lose uh, completion of the pipeline, the $3 billion in transit fees Russia is paying to them. So the reason behind that completely different. Putin has no interest whatsoever in uh, providing civilian of the uh, safety. Uh, necessary for surviving, uh, including uh, uh, food and gas, because don't forget uh, the winters in Ukraine and this part of the world are very tough to survive without gas.
2: We would never, ever have heard this angle of it, so I appreciate you bringing this forth. Go and check out this trilogy. Start with Ukraine on fire, then revealing Ukraine, and then go to Ukraine 30 Years, which the lead interviewer is Simona that you're seeing right now on on the screen or you're hearing on your radio. Uh, Simona, let's stay in contact. I appreciate you letting me know about this. Go to YouTube. You can watch these that have been uploaded, I believe, by RT. Also, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. And uh, let's stay in contact. I really do appreciate it because this issue is not going to go away tomorrow. For some reason, we're hearing about Ukraine every day every single day. And I'm really glad that we're connected on this. Thank you.
4: Thank you very much. It was an honor to come in your show. Thank it's an you.
2: honor. The honor is mine. I appreciate that. Simona Maggiante Papadopoulos. Go follow her everywhere. We're back after this in the Joe Pag Show. Stay here.
1: This is the Joe Pag Show.
2: Hi, great to have you. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really appreciate Simona coming on. Great information. Make sure you go and check it out. Somewhat we're asking. A couple of things are important here. She, she's from Italy. She's got a thick Italian accent. I understand it very well. My grandfather was from Italy. I've heard the Italian accent my whole life. I did reiterate some things that she was saying that might have been lost in, in, uh, in the mix a little bit, but I think that what she said was pretty clear. Um, this three-part trilogy of documentaries uh, is called Ukraine on Fire. It's the first one she says, watch. Ukraine on Fire, Revealing Ukraine, and then Ukraine 30 Years. So go and check those out. And we'll have Simona on again. Um, she is the lead interviewer on the third part, Ukraine 30 Years. And you learn a lot of stuff there that you might not otherwise have learned. And and I like that she went right at the fact that Biden is compromised here. Biden is compromised. I mean, that's that's the bottom line here. And it's interesting because Cash Patel the other day sort of said the same thing in that he said, you know, Russia doesn't want to really go to war. And now she's saying the same thing, having done this documentary about that very topic. One wonders why we're still sending the war machine over there or we're acting like we are, we're readying up 8,500 troops. So I'll have her back on again. Um, very few people are saying they had a problem with the accent. Most people understood most of what she was saying. And I really do, I, I appreciate the, the fact that on the internet, and in this day and age with technology, we are able to talk to people on the other side of the world. Karen, that's just cool. I just find that to be cool.
3: It is very cool, actually, yeah.
2: And that's I think everybody, I think everybody should have to uh, have a, an Italian grandfather or something and learn how to understand the accent. What's the big deal?
1: Mm, well, that could be hard to do for some of us.
2: What are you talking about? Just get yourself an Italian no, grandfather. What's the big deal?
1: Italian. <laughs> got Why can't you just around? get one? I mean, I don't know. You see, you can't? I don't
2: have one. You, you put a Craigslist uh, ad in. Hey, looking for an Italian mm, grandfather. That's a little Duh.
3: sketch, so won't be doing that. A little that. bit. Oh,
2: aren't you cool? Aren't you one of the kids now? That's a little sketch. I come on. I'm cool. <laughs> you are so hip. All oh, right, 888-941-PAGS. Yeah. I know. I'm saying you are. 8 7247 joepags.com definitely want to hear from you Let me remind you about stamps.com a great organization great sponsor of the program and it's going to help you out of your small business doing any shipping at all you use usps save a bunch of money save a bunch of time you use ups save a bunch of money save a bunch of time get with stamps.com right now they're going to save you money because for more than 20 years they've been an indispensable partner for over a million businesses They give you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from the computer you happen to be at. Get discounts like up to 40% off of USPS, 76% off of UPS, and you're still doing your business in the same place, saving time from having to go and wait in line, something like that. All you need is a computer and a standard printer, no special supplies or equipment. Go to stamps.com right now, save time and money. Sign up with the promo code PAGS, P-A-G-S, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial. Free postage, a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, enter the code PAGS, Stamps.com, make that happen, and make it happen right now. All right, 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. What's interesting about, about learning more about Ukraine is if we don't, we'll just take what Biden, or Trump for that matter, have to say about Ukraine. We shouldn't. We should go and be skeptical. We should wonder why we're even involved. We should wonder why this administration would say nothing about our border, in fact, make sure it's porous and open, while saying we have to support the sovereignty in the border of Ukraine. Why? What's this really about? Is it about money, energy, minerals, Biden's corruption? What's it really about? And every day we'll try to chip away at that. 888-941-PAGS, JoePags.com. Stay here.
1: This is The Joe Pags Show we uh-huh.